And welcome back to part two of episode three of the E Wang Bang podcast. This is Emil Wang. I'm sitting in with my good friend Jeff Liu, talking about the lack of Asian representation in Hollywood. Now, we were talking earlier about Ghosts in the Shell and how Scarlett Johansson was cast in a role that was clearly made for an Asian actress. Now, in my mind, and, and this is probably wrong on Hollywood's part, but they are marketing these films for American audiences. They're making a Hollywood blockbuster to sell tickets to American audiences. In my mind, it would be difficult to cast an Asian actress that the majority of Americans are not familiar with to star in a movie that is based off of source material from uh, from Japan. I think the story would be a lot more difficult to tell. I think characters would be a lot less relatable. I don't think that that's an accurate um, assessment of, of what we've done because there, there have been so many other examples where Asian roles have been cast by, in, you know, by non-Asian actors and actresses that have horrifically backfired for Hollywood studios. I mean, we, we don't even have to go the highbrow route. You know, we can talk about Dragon Ball Evolution. Who, you know, that was starring Justin Chatwin as fucking Goku. And you can, you can say what you fucking want. Oh, Goku's a goddamn alien. He doesn't have race. And I'm going to call bullshit on that because it was obviously Japanese. Mm-hmm. You know, and Dragon Ball Evolution, there was a huge production value there. They had to do special effects. They had to make him look flying. They got Chow Yun Fat in there. Mm-hmm. You know, this was not a cheap movie to make. And, Putting Justin Chatwin in there didn't help it at all. I mean, it was still a box office failure. It was critically reviled. It was a terrible fucking movie. And if it had just stopped there, then that might have been the end of it. But there have been so, I mean, like even recently, Matt Damon in The Great Wall. Why the fuck do we need that guy, you know, defending The Great Wall? We got the greatest kung fu warriors of all time defending that motherfucking thing. Like, we have um, Rooney Mara in The Martian as a Korean sci- as a Korean scientist. Something that could have, uh, I mean, that wasn't even a large role. That could have been given to an aspiring Korean uh, American actress. Sandra we have oh. Emma Stone in, excuse me? Sandra Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want to see that girl in anything. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many issues with that, you know? And, and here's the other thing. You, let, let's take a film that has Asian American actors in it and has to do with Asian culture. And let's say that they even cast Asian individuals to be, you know, the highlighted characters in this. So that I'm talking about Forbidden Kingdom in 2008. It was the only film that's starring both Jackie Chan and Jet Li, who are two of the biggest Asian American stars that we have right now that are still that that work Hollywood films. And they still have to throw in like a white boy in there. I mean, the white boy doesn't make anything relatable in that film. You're watching it to watch Jackie Chan fight fucking Jet Li. I don't care that goddamn Blake learns how to, like, do kung fu in the middle of that shit. That doesn't matter to me. I don't need to relate to that shit. It is an epic story. And that that alone is 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 enough to carry that carry that sort of film, you know? And, and I, I just think that Hollywood has not 
really taken a risk with Asian Americans like to do something like that. They they're always they're always kind of culling it back. And I think that that is ultimately going to go and bite them in the ass because you can say what you want about ticket sales in America. But guess what? The vast majority of blockbuster American films now are being marketed towards China, towards Chinese audiences. And you're not going to be able to get away like in the future with having an all white cast for everything that you do, because Asians ultimately are going to get tired of seeing not themselves on the screen. Well, I, I don't know if, I, if I've ever watched films and be like, man, where, where are all the Asians? Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've just kind of accepted that, you know, Asians just aren't in film. And I've, I, I've kind of, in a sense, come to terms with the fact that, you know, we're just not, entertaining people if we're not doing martial <laughs> arts <laughs> i mean if you think about i mean can, can you name any you know can you name any asian actor who is legitimately talented and can play a colorless role like name name an asian character who who has become famous and had not needed to to kind of use the asian stereotypes as a leverage or use you know, a, a particular set of skills to uh, to make them famous. Oh, you mean like Liam Neeson, a particular yeah. set of skills? <laughs> Those kind of skills. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't think that you need to go so far as to say, hey, you know, um, they're not doing kung fu, or they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't make it to some semblance of recognizability in Hollywood by doing. Um, Films. I mean, you get recognized no matter how, you know, no matter what you do. You know, Mike Myers got started off doing Wayne's World, and now he's doing all sorts of other stuff. You know, that like people change as they go, as they go. But I mean, Chow Yun Fat is an example of that. He's not necessarily the best actor, but mm -hmm. he's a very, very good actor, and he was met with kind of lukewarm success here. But I mean, and that he was, he may have been like one of the first people to try and jump the pond there. Byung Hun Kim. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Snake Eyes in Red. I mean, yeah, he's doing Lee, some Lee martial arts. His name. Yeah, Lee Byun Hyun. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's doing some martial arts in there, but I mean, he, like, if you watched Magnificent Seven, he was really good in that movie mm. too. He was in Red Two, which is a yep. thoroughly entertaining movie. You know, he yep. was a hitman, um, and uh, you know, he was also in all the GI Joe series. And, and you know, he's doing well for himself. Daniel Wu, when he first started out, you know, he wasn't doing really martial arts films or anything like that when he and again when he jumped the pond and tried to start doing uh, movies in uh, or uh film in hollywood i mean he he's doing into the badlands now but he's not particularly good at doing martial arts sequences steven yuen from the walking dead i mean that, there's there's a lot of examples that are out there it's just that you know it, it's it's such a slow moving process that we haven't had that many people be iconic heroes or anything like that. And I think part of the reason that is, it's because it's the chicken and the egg argument. I mean, we have this stigma about Asians that you just shared, that you can't picture yourself or picture an Asian individual being a protagonist in the film because you haven't seen it in such a long time. But I don't think that's true because we grew up with Hong Kong movies. We've seen like masculine Asian actors in those main leading roles. Granted, you know, they're, they're in Hong Kong films, but you know, they're still leading it. They're still carrying the film one way or the other. And 
it comes down to kind of a chicken and the egg argument. Like, can Asian Americans not see themselves as heroes because there's just not enough heroes in there? And then they ultimately just feel like, oh, okay, there's no Asian American hero, so I could never be be one like that. I, I think that's part of the intrinsic problem. It's that we've been conditioned to think, at least the 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 generation of Asian Americans that are growing up in America today that may not have been exposed to Hong Kong films, they really don't see any anybody who looks like themselves on film, and that might be a problem because then they think that they can't they they can't do it themselves. It's like a perpetuation of you know a myth that may or may not exist at this point. Well, I would like to think that Asians can uh, be superheroes in other fashions, like by doing math problems and curing cancer and shit. So. You're part of the problem, Miguel. <laughs> yeah, I do want to. You know, you did list a, a bunch of very, very talented Asian actors, and I, I think, I think we know them because we are Asian. But if you asked any Caucasian or any you know average moviegoer, I don't think they would know who any of those people are. Which, which kind of goes back to the marketability of of these people. They, they're all very, very talented, but if if somebody made an American film starring Libya and Hyun, you know, I, I mean, I would watch it because I think the dude's awesome, but I, I can't imagine a whole lot of Americans being drawn to that unless it is an awesome action film. Like you think about uh, Ninja Assassin, like Rain, dude, I don't think that dude can even speak English, but at least that got some draw to it because of it was an Asian man doing action. So yeah. Sign I mean, me up. You could use that same argument and say, that you know, it, it, you didn't need Rain in there because honestly, there are not that many people in America who knew who Rain was at that mm. point. Mm. You know, I actually think that Stephen Yuen. I mean, after Stephen Yuen got killed off in The Walking Dead, he's made a lot of appearances on Conan on Conan O'Brien's show, and you know, they're they're making that exposure known. But beyond just that, by the way, like, he sucks in those uh, in those bits. He's not funny at all. Like. I don't even I, know why they have him in there. I, 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 I completely disagree with you. I think he's, I think he's pretty funny. Are you serious, <laughs> dude? When he like the one where they go to the uh, the spa, like he doesn't, he doesn't say anything spa. funny, dude. It's all no. Conan. He just, he just responds to Conan, and that that's it. There's nothing. He doesn't provide anything witty. He's not. But I mean, that's he's not what even Conan edgy. Does as a host, like that. He he he's just there and. And and Stephen is like basically introducing him to a world that he's unfamiliar with. I, I mean, I I think that Stephen does a good job. I mean, you, you are free to disagree with me on that point, yeah, but at yeah. least he's getting exposed on that sort of level. Yeah. And to your point about like Asians being leads in hit movies, I mean, you can. We've had this like this, this conversation generally has been had for you know over a decade and a half man like you you can think back to like when Mulan first came out in 1998 granted it was an animated movie but that was Ming-Na Wen doing the voice and that was a big thing for me you know like that that is something that permeates in me because that was an Asian American or an Asian individual that was doing an Asian film and it had great commercial success there mm -hmm. animated fine whatever you can you can make that argument but then let's go go forward a little bit Harold and Kumar, it stars two minorities. It was a cult classic. Everybody could relate to them, you know, in some way or the other. They were the everyman. And yes, they touched on minority issues within the film, but that didn't take away from like the mainstream success of the film or the mainstream, you know, appreciation of the type of comedy that both John Cho and Cal Penn did. 
and I mean, you, you're starting to see a lot more of, of this, like, exposure on in, in media generally. And that just makes what Ghost in the Shell did that much more un- inexcusable. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a is a big show right now. It's got it has a big marketing push. There's a very, very strong fan base. And Chloe Bennett, who is Chinese American, and Ming Na Wen, who is Mulan, you know, are are both like pillars in that show. And the audience loves them for that. And you know, they're getting exposure there. And Chloe Bennett has talked extensively about the challenges that she faced when she was going around in LA having auditions as, as Chloe Wayne. I don't think it's a matter of whether or not people will be able to relate with these individuals, but it, it, it's something like that, that the producers, you know, just are considering is a larger factor than it actually is because Asian Americans are meeting with success when they go out and they try out for these parts. Now, I mean, one of the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that is going around entertainment news right now is Crazy Rich Asians, which is an upcoming film starring Constance Wu. Michelle Yeoh is in there, and there's a whole bunch of up and coming young Chinese and Singaporean actors that are getting major roles in that, and that's being funded by a major Hollywood studio. And I mean, this may be the push that we're all looking for, and we can all be hopeful, but. We can't let up the pressure if we want that window of opportunity for Asian-American actors to stay open. Don't forget that Ming-Na Wen was also Chun-Li in the hit 90s movie Street Fighter 2, all right? Don't, don't, don't that was great. That, that was groundbreaking for her, I'm sure. Great film. The, uh, the Crazy Rich Asians thing I haven't really read up on, but I, I will say this. If that movie flops, I, I wonder if Hollywood's going to be like, dude, see, I told you so. <laughs> I mean, I mean that it, it it very well may, but you can't just say that because I <laughs> like there are some shitty fucking like Hollywood films that are being put out. Period. You know, you mm. can't you can't just chalk it up to one thing. I like for me, I I have not read the book and I'm not partic- particularly interested in the source material. And I mean that may be a challenge that they're going to have to surmount, but at least it's an opportunity for a whole bunch of up-and-coming young Asian actors and actresses to get their shot at some some degree of exposure. Right. I, I want to go back to you talking about Harold and Kumar and how that was a, you know, that's a big hit. And, and I, I, I don't disagree. A lot of people have seen that movie and they know what it's about. And they, they think that, you know, Al Penn and uh, John Cho are hilarious in it. I agree with all of that. I think one thing to point out is that what makes the movie funny to I would say to us and to you know your your typical American is the fact that they capitalize on all of these stereotypes. The Asian guy that does the math, the you know the Indian guy who you know or the Indian people who owned gas stations, you know, Indian people funny names. I mean these are all things that that they capitalize on, which helped kind of leverage the movie into success. You, if you take away all of the things about them being Asian and just looked at them as actors in the movie, they're funny, but it's not, it's not earth shattering funny. It's not, it's not a game changer. I, I think that part of the reason why that movie was so successful is because there haven't been Asians in media. So then, so then you have to think about it this way. Well, the moment we have a lot of Asians being represented and the moment that our culture it, you know, is kind of uh, mainstreamed into American society, a lot of these jokes aren't going to be funny anymore. 
and, and I'm going to kind of add this onto my uh, add in my own <laughs> experience as a as a stand up comedian. Um, I'm very good, I'm very talented. You'll you'll see my Netflix special in the next uh, next month. I don't think I don't like doing Asian jokes. I don't think they take a lot of effort to come up with. I don't think the jokes I do about being Asian are very funny, but those are always the most well received by audiences. And I think it's strictly because there aren't too many Asians out there doing comedy. So when Asians touch on these subjects, it's just it's just low hanging fruit. It's just so easy to do. And for now, yeah, we can capitalize on it. But in the future, when too many people are doing this or when people are too familiar with our cultures, I don't think it's going to be funny anymore. And then you're going to be left with, okay, well, then are Asians actually are they actually going to be good at it when they're not embracing these stereotypes? Uh, see, I, I think that that can be said about any sort of minority group, inc- including minority groups that are, are, you know, within the white umbrella. You know, you talk about Bill Burr. Bill Burr talks almost like in every stand-up show that he does about his, uh, you know, Irish, his his strict Irish upbringing, about how, you know, he makes jokes about being drunk, about being beaten as a kid and all that sort of stuff. That stuff still goes over well. Black comedians mm-hmm. always talk about black stereotypes. You know, Italian comedians talk about that sort of stuff. You know, Jewish comedians talk about their faith and everything. See, but- the thing about Bill Burr is Bill Burr is hilarious and very, very talented. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, his material, he doesn't rely on just, you know, being the angry Irish, you know, guy. And I don't think that's the best part of the material. You, you look at some African American comics, I, like, you know, back you know 20 years ago or 15 years ago when, you know, we had Richard uh, Pryor, yeah, Richard Pryor, right. Richard Pryor was great because he was like the first person to, you know, break that boundary, you know, to kind of, throw that culture in front of you, you know, and then, you know, it, it was, it was uncomfortable, but it was funny because it was new. I don't think black comics doing the, you know, whole African, I'm African American bit and my, you know, but my family's this, this and that is, is really that funny anymore just because it's just been so overdone. I think the comedians that are, that have been around for a long time and are, are famous, you know, uh, you know, D- Dave Chappelle. I think Dave Chappelle is, is fantastic. Um, other than his stupid little microphone to the knee, you know, laughing bit. I don't know if you saw his most recent special, but oh, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that that microphone to the knee thing is, is annoying as fuck. But other than that, I think, you know, t- t- like he is a very funny man and he would be very successful without touching on the African-American stereotypes. Well, but I mean, that that's the thing. Like, if we want to talk, I don't think it's stereotypes anymore. It's your perspective on culture. And as an Asian American, you have an individual perspective on that. Look, Dave Chappelle, as much as you say that he didn't touch on, like, as much as you're saying that he doesn't necessarily, um, he doesn't need the race portion of his material, race is a big part of everything that he talks about. And it's important to him. And the observations that he makes, like, in the second part of his um in the second in, in the second episode of his uh, series on Netflix right now, you actually see him talk about you know him experiencing being called names um, while he's living in Ohio, and he totally leans into like oh how white culture has kind of changed on that. So it's always going to be an observation about race. I, I don't think that's ever really going to be taken out of the equation until you know we honestly are all the same sort of color. And I, I honestly don't think touching on race is necessarily a bad thing or touching on culture is a bad thing. Look at Aziz Ansari in Master of None. 
he absolutely touches on like the modern struggles of a minority actor in media. I mean, that's, that's the subject of his entire uh, three, three brothers episode where there's three Indian guys all trying out for the same part, you know? And I I think that he does that very well because he's looking, he's not an outsider looking in, he's living the experience and he's, showing that he like knows the struggle of what he has to go through as an Indian actor going in and you know having to be either you know a 711 salesperson or a taxi guy or something like that you know that there are tropes that he had to deal with coming up but if you look at master of none man that is like a seamless commentary not just on how his culture has affected him but how him as a modern individual like is coming up in New York City and a lot of his material doesn't have to do with anything that you know that um, reflects on his culture. It's still a modern sort of thing. It's becoming easier and easier to see Aziz Ansari not just as a minority comedian, but as an actor that has a lot of different layers. And the same could be said for Ali Wong when she did Baby Cobra. There's a whole portion of that that talks about like the anachronistic culture of Asians and how they view the world and education, child rearing, and like all this sort of stuff. But a lot of that stuff had to do with like her job and like, you know, how, how she hates going to the office. There's a lot of bits there that, you know, don't just rely on that sort of stuff. And that's the same sort of thing. I think that Asians in, in the media today are given shit roles. We are either the scientist, we're the nerd, we're the geek, you know, we're the best friend or some shit like that. If you're a, if you're a woman, you can be a prostitute or, you know, you can turn nice. up the like dragon, the dragon lady, the exotic look. You know, and, and those are the things that you're still going to be looking for. If you are a 60 year old Asian lady looking for a job, guess what? You're going to be running a fucking mahjong parlor somewhere in Chinatown, <laughs> like on a NYPD blue episode at some point. I mean, that, that's just the way that it fucking is. And I think that it's increasingly becoming like unnecessary for that, for that to be done, you know, to be the only role that you can have. I think that, you know, there are enough inlets at this point where Asians can be given opportunities for roles to do better things because I think culture is ready for that. I think the society is ready to take us on as individuals. And the, and the mentality has to be to change the paradigm of thought right now to, to see what Hollywood is thinking and, and to shift it towards something that's like, you know, more open to, and more receptive towards like modern Asian culture, not just the like, like anachronistic symbolism that you see we're not just about like chinese letter and fucking golden dragon and shit you know i get what you're saying i think we agree on the fact that we we asians do have to go away from the you know from capitalizing on the asian on the asian stereotypes and when you talk about breaking into the industry i, I think there's another thing that i want i want to discuss i be getting into entertainment, whether it's stand-up, whether it's acting or whatnot, a lot of it takes commitment to the craft, right? I think you and I right. agree that you know even even perfecting a two-minute stand-up bit would probably take you know ten to fifteen times at an open mic before you get it down and you perfect. It. Right. People have to be committed to acting or whatever they want to get into to be successful. Right. Now, when you think about how we grew up, you know how our, our how our parents raised us, the values of emphasizing education. I don't think that we had, you know, even if you know, we grew up and left left home at the age of eighteen and went into acting, I don't think we've had 
many of us have had the opportunity to commit ourselves to the craft because we've had to focus ourselves on many other things growing up. Whereas you have, you know, the uh, other nationalities who are a little bit less focused on, on studies and more open to letting their children try different things and committing themselves to different things at an early age. So, yeah, it, it may be an issue that Asians are underrepresented in Hollywood, but I'm curious about a statistic. If there is a statistic to how many, what percentage is, what percent of Asians are actually rejected in roles that are a, are a colorless role? So, so for example, if, if we were just casting, you know, a 30-year-old businessman, um, you know, it doesn't matter what race it is. I wonder what percent of Asians are rejected for that role and what percent of Caucasians are rejected for that role. Because well, I mean, if the percentages are the same, then do do Asians really have grounds for complaining that we're underrepresented when so few of us are committed to the craft and so few of us, you know, really get involved with it at an early age? It's something well, to think about, and, I, and I, I'm curious to see if, you know, I'm going to do some digging over the next couple of days to see if I, there are any statistics on this. Well, I mean, even even if there aren't any statistics on that, and, and I haven't heard anything on that, I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge. Like, you getting into – when, when I was going through undergrad, um, I tried out for a couple of commercials. I did a couple of student mm-hmm. films, and, you know, when I was discussing – you know, just, just, just how to break into the industry with one of my directors, you know, I didn't get the impression that there was a whole bunch of opportunity out there. And you can say what you will about, you know, percentage and everything like that, but you also need to see the, you know, amount of, of individuals of any given culture that are actually going out for this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, how many people give up because there just aren't enough opportunities out there. Like you, I don't think it's fair to, you know, say that, oh, you know, how, how, what percentage of Asians got rejected from a color, colorless role? Because I, I think admittedly you're drawing from a much, much smaller pot there than, um, let's, I mean, just white ethnicities, period. And, you know, like, I, I think that no matter what the role is, I, I think that a director generally has a vision of what they want their show or their movie to look like, you know, and if they're not even considering, uh, you know, the, the, the race of it, there's still an aesthetic that they're trying to achieve. And that, I think that, that attitude will undercut a lot of minorities that are out there because it doesn't fit their, their particular dynamic, unless they're shooting for something that's a little bit more diverse. Right. And what I'm saying is that if there are statistics on it, that would completely validate what you're saying, that you know, directors, even though the, the role is colorless, you know, they, they still do have a vision of a white man, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes uh, starring or playing that role. Right. So right, right. It's, it's just something that I'm curious about. Um, and I, I'm also, like I said, very curious about, you know, kind of the, the hours, you know, did do Asian Americans start? At a later at a later age in in acting, you know, you, you think about think about playing music, right? If you start playing piano early on, versus you know trying to pick it up when you're 18, it, it'd, it'd be a whole different ballgame. You'd have so much catching up to do. And mm-hmm. you know, 
hey, look at you, man. You were the lead in our high school musical. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what do you, I mean, you, you, you know, even, even with all that, you know, all the, all the exposure you had in high school, you didn't end up having the opportunity to put in as much time as you would have liked. And come on, man, you're a very talented dude. You, you, know, <laughs> you, you got, you got the whole package, you know, that's what you have to be to be the lead in a musical. But it's, you know, even you, you know, went off and pursued other things. So I, I'm always curious about how many people are legitimately committed to the craft because it's it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, we can we can complain that we're not getting, you know, equal representation in, in media, in film, but are we putting in the hours that everybody else is? I, I'm, not, I'm not hinting that we don't do it, but I think from my personal experience and knowing, you know, how we all grew up, our parents, they made no time to send us to acting school. Right, right, right. No, absolutely not. But, I mean, here, here's the other thing with that. Like, it's a chicken and the egg argument. For as much as I wanted to be involved in this sort of um, – in this industry from, like, a kid, it's a choice that you have to make, you know? And, you know, and when you're going into an industry that just – Really, you, you, you've, you've heard through the grapevine, you, you've seen the you know, listings for the roles that are available out there. I mean, if there's not that much opportunity and there's, and that, op- and that opportunity like stays low for such a long period of time, people get discouraged very, very easily. And, you know, for the, for the, uh, people that are out there that are still going for it, man, I mean, they, they are struggling just like any other starving artist, starving actor, actress out there. Uh, when I was doing entertainment law, I had the opportunity to speak with, you know, Asian actors and actresses, uh, directors and writers, and they are hustling just the same. But, you know, that oppor- like the opportunities that are presented to them just are not as expansive as they are, you know, if, <laughs> you know, if you were any other culture, really. One thing that I was thinking about is the relatability of the Asian culture to the rest of the uh, to the other nationalities in the United States. Part of me thinks that when people see an Asian American on screen, they relate them to people uh, to a people of, you know, a mystical origin that you know came over the United States in the recent years um, just because of, you know, their their wealthy engineering parents. And we're seen as a as a group that really hasn't had to go through a whole lot, hasn't had to persevere through, um, you know, oppression or anything like that. Um, unlike you know the African Americans who have you know had to deal with plenty of horrible things over the course of uh, over the course of American history. I mean, I can't even think of a, a single Asian American that was involved in the civil rights movement. Um, you know, other than us building the railroads, you know, you don't really hear about, you know, what what Asian Asians had to do when they first immigrated to the U.S. and kind of our place in U.S. history. So when people see us in film, I, I feel that we're just a lot less uh, relatable. They they see Asians as people who haven't had to suffer very much. So when you're when you're casting somebody to be your, your protagonist, who, you know, your protagonist has to deal with challenges and overcome certain things. I think when people see Asians, they don't really see that as an issue. They don't see Asians as an everyday, as a person who's had to overcome anything. 
Well, I mean, like, that goes to, like, a very common perception of Asians that we're the model minority, that we go through life and, you know, we try and not be, uh, we try and be as, you know, least disruptive as possible. And, you know, but I don't think that that is, I mean, that's a stereotype, just like everything else, you know, and I think that reliance on that in perceiving Asians, I don't think that I don't think that a majority of people necessarily hold that view. And that kind of goes back to the distinction between what our cultural history is in the States versus what, you know, our, our contemporary lives are like, you know, and if we want, and I, I think that perception of Asians in the States has to change um, to an extent because we very much come from like a very similar background to a lot of other ethnic minorities, but we're still perceived in in a light that you know ma- makes the different challenges that we've surmounted in history, um, you know, kind of minimized. And I, I don't disagree with you that 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 may be a perception that people hold, and that's kind of up to the current generation to change. And the hope that you know the the conversation in this country is amenable to that sort of that that sort of altered perception of what Asians are. Right. A lot of good stuff a lot of good stuff to think about. And you know, Jeff, it's been it's been great talking to you about this. Um, you know, I always really value your thoughts on kind of how Asians are in in entertainment because I know, you know, entertainment's a, <laughs> yeah, a big yeah. deal for you. Um I, I think for me, even though I do dabble in stand up comedy, I I still personally don't think it's that big of an issue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to all you listeners out there, thanks for listening. Hopefully, uh, nothing came out too overtly racist or ignorant. But uh, <laughs> if, if it did, please uh, give us your thoughts. We would love to hear some feedback. Until next time, this is Emil Wang and Jeff Liu. Thanks, and take care.